Good morning, everyone. This is Paige Knudsen with Figure It Out Baseball on our softball edition. With us today, we have Coach Laura Berg from Oregon State University. Has a pretty impressive resume on her hands from both her playing career and her coaching career. She's originally from Santa Fe Springs, California, and she graduated from Fresno State University with a bachelor's degree in commercial recreation. During her time at Fresno, she was a four-time All-American for outfield from 1994 through 1998. She did, she did take off the red um, the 96 season to redshirt to be able to be on the U.S. Olympic team. During her time, she had three Women's College World Series appearances and won the national championship in 1998. She also has two Western Athletic Conference titles under her belt and currently has the D1 record and is second in the record books for career hits and at bat. Total, she has a career batting average of 414 at Fresno and a 362 average for Team USA. She's also second all time in career hits in NCAA history with 396. 12th in runs at 245 and has 25 career triples as a tie for her for 23rd place. At Fresno, she also holds several batting records. She's ranked first in school history in triples, runs, hits, and stolen bases. And she finished as the Western Athletic Conference's career leader in triples, runs, hits, at-bats, games played, and total bases. She is the only Fresno State player to amass 300 or more career hits and also posted a 160-game defensive errorless streak in the field. In 2009, she was inducted into Fresno County's Athletic Policy. For Team USA, she joined the program in 1994 as a center fielder and is the most decorated USA softball Olympic athlete in history. The team won gold at the Olympics in 1996, 2000, 2004, and won the silver medal in 2008. She also has four ISF Women's World Championships and three Pan American gold medals to her belt. She also was um, the player to have the eighth inning hit in the gold medal game in the 2000 Sydney Olympics that drove in the winning run to help the Stars and Stripes defeat Japan for a 2-1 to one score. The 2004 team was also inducted into the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Hall of Fame class of 2012. She retired from international play in 2008. As she began her coaching career, she had two stints as an assistant coach at her alma mater from 2000 to 2003, and again in 2005 to the 2006 season, stepping down to train with the U.S. women's national team in between. She joined the Beavers staff as an assistant for the 2012 season, working mainly with the team's slappers and outfielders, and helped her team rejoin the nation's top programs when they went 36-23 and 23 on their way to the first NCAA regional appearance since 2007. Named head coach of the Beavers in 2013 and posted a 34-24 and 24 record, which was the most wins ever for a Beaver head coach in his or her first year. In 2014, she had another strong offensive showing with the program. The Beavers set the school record for single-season team batting average at a 287 clip. Her program has also been to four NCAA regional appearances, and in 2019, Berg led Oregon State to the best start of a season since 2003 when the team went 8-0 through the first eight games. She led four Beavers to earn Pac-12 postseason honors, including her seventh and eighth student-athletes to NFCA Pacific Region honors. For Team USA, she worked with the organization since 2012. She had four years as an assistant coach for the national team program, and she also helped the red, white, and blue win three gold medal finishes at the World Cup of Softball. 
And she also had a gold medal at the 2019 Lima Pan American Games as the assistant. Finally, she has two WBSC World Championship silver medals and a silver medal at the Toronto 2015 Pan American Games. Next, Berg served as an assistant coach for the junior women's national team in 2013 for four years. The team earned a silver medal at the WBSC Junior Women's World Championships and was then named the head coach for the 2017 season. In her first year as the head coach of the junior women's team, Berg helped lead one of the most dominant junior women's national teams in USA softball history. As a team, the U.S. broke the team home run record with 15 total throughout the event, and Coach Bubba Nichols, current national team member, to three world championship records, including record home runs at six, 30 RBIs, and batted 690 throughout the whole event. On November 14, 2019, Berg was named as an assistant to the 2020 Women's National Team's coaching staff. She will rejoin the program in the pursuit of another Olympic gold medal at the 2021 Tokyo Olympics now. Coach Berg, thanks for being with us today. Thank you for having me. So what's the fall been like for your program? <laughs> it has definitely been an interesting fall. Um, you know, weather-wise, it's been perfect. We actually have uh, been out on the field most of the fall. Um, but our players have been uh, phenomenal. They really are following the protocols. They are um, doing what they need to do to be able to stay on the field together as a team. Um, so far, knock on wood, they we have not been had any athletes uh, put in quarantine. Um, so it's uh, it's been really fun to to watch them, you know, deal with the adversities and be very successful at it. So a normal day of practice for you guys. What's it like? What's the most important elements of your practices? Uh, a normal day, we practice from about two to five. And uh, it's the basics, you know, this is softball is a very simple game. It's a simple game of play catch. And the basic thing is, you know, you got to be able to under pressure, feel the ball, throw the ball and catch it. And so we really uh, hammer away at those fundamentals of, um, you know, even something as simple as, you know, when they're warming up, getting ready for practice to make sure they can hit somebody, you know, in the chest, right. In the, the four corners uh, of the body to make sure that, uh, they can do that while under pressure. That's great. Yeah, I know it's uh, with softball, we kind of always have to hammer in the fundamentals so they come easily in a game setting. Uh, so, yep. so without, I'm assuming you guys haven't really been playing games this fall, correct? Unfortunately, we have not been able to play games. We have done some scrimmages, some inter-squad scrimmages, but we have not been able to, uh, due to uh, COVID and testing protocols of our opponents, uh, we have not been able to have games. So how have you and your coaching staff kind of been motivating your student athletes without having um, the live gameplay portion against other teams? You know, I think um, a lot of that is going to come on the players. I think they have realized that this game can be taken from them at any point in their career, whether it's an injury or it's a global pandemic. And so I think they have realized that maybe in the past that they have taken, you know, kind of like, you know, we're going to be able to play tomorrow for granted and have realized, wow, you know, this can be taken away from me. We have to uh, be motivated every day for that and be ready for that because, uh, I, I, again, it can be taken away. So it's, it's something a coach, you know, can do. You know, we do uh, bring that motivation to the field, but it's really not needed at this point right now because, 
the players um, are doing it themselves. So that internal motivation that they have um, to get better, do you think they came into the program with that to some degree, or has COVID kind of really just brought it out of them? I think it's a little bit of both. I think, you know, they're motivated. You know, you're not going to put the amount of time that these kids have put in, you know, with travel ball and the amount of traveling that they've had to do uh, if you aren't already motivated. You know, they're, they're motivated to, to come and play a sport uh, that they love and get an education at the same time. And so they, they come in with, with some motivation, and then I think COVID really just kind of um, pushed them over the top uh, to be, you know, that extra motivated of, you know, wow, this, this is an amazing game. We, we um, not everybody gets to play this game. And so uh, just to go out and appreciate it and uh, not take anything for granted. Yes, ma'am. I think, I think most student athletes these days are kind of uh, feeling those same emotions. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think they're a little bit more excited to go out to the practice field just to be able to be with their friends and teammates. Yes. And to get out of the house, you know. Yeah, uh, a lot of them, you know, they're online, and I'm sure they're absolutely sick of Zoom, and uh, they want to get out of the house. They want to be around people, uh, real life people, not people on a screen, and uh, be around their teammates. I, there's just a different feel at practice. So, for your athletes, are are the students at Oregon State all completely virtual? Are some able to go into the classroom at all? Uh, most of them are all virtual. Uh, I believe the labs here are in person, but that's about it. Gotcha. So I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Um, what's been the favorite part about coaching for you? Um, my favorite part, uh, is just seeing that light bulb go off. Like, uh, you know, you, you, you get a kid who is just constantly working on her backhand, working on her backhand, boom, boom. Every day in practice, she's working on it. And then a game, she does it without thinking. It's just a habit. And that light bulb goes off and you see her be successful at it, then it's like, yep, this this is why I do it, you know. A kid is working on her sneaky bunt, you know, and then all of a sudden in the game she drops the sneaky bunt and it's safe at first and you're like, Yep, this is this is why this is why I coach. It's because, you know, watching these kids work hard and push themselves above and beyond what is asked of them and to see them be successful at it is, is pretty amazing. What do you think has been the key to you and your program's continued success at Oregon state? I just, it's the athletes. It's their love for the game, watching them come here and uh, do the, do the simple little things of the game and, 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 you know, work on bunting, work on base running, work on uh, parts of the game that I don't think it's worked on enough, you know, at the lower levels. And so uh, I just think it's it, it's the fundamentals, you know. I talk to my team all the time, you know, that this game is not – it's not paint by numbers, you know. It's it's not black and white. There's a lot of gray, and I call them my little Picassos. I need I need Picassos on the field uh, to, to read and react and uh, see how the, the, the play is going to unfold, and it's not always paint by numbers on how it's going to work. So I think it's, it's the, the little things and the fundamentals that has really uh, helped them uh, be successful and it's their buy-in their buy-in into what it is that we're we're teaching and 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 uh going over as a team um is, is what is helping them be successful are there certain attributes or skills you look for in those student athletes when you're recruiting them 
Uh, obviously, you know, they've got to have the skills to be able to play catch, to hit, um, the strength of an arm. For me as an outfielder, I'm looking for someone with speed, somebody who gets good jumps and takes, takes good angles. Um, you know, a lot though is, you know, what's between the ears, the six inches between the ears. You know, they got to be mentally tough because this is a game of failure that we play. And if failure is going to, um, frustrate them or bring them down, then this may not be the conference or the sport that they should be playing because you're going to fail. It's a matter of how you deal with failure is, is what's going to help you be successful, actually. So it's the gritty person. It's the per- perseverance. It's somebody who's going to get knocked down and they pick themselves up, brush themselves off, and move forward. So if you've got a player on your roster that you know has the potential to be great, but their mental toughness is just not up to par. Uh, what are some drills that you do, or how do you um, boost their mental toughness to get them to be able to play in a real good situation? <laughs> that's a that's a tough question. You know, that's where you know I let my sports psychologist kind of kind of come into play. They they have access to him at any time uh, that they need it. Um, you know, when it's not COVID, you know, usually we meet with our sports psychologist uh, once a month or once a week. Uh, for them to be able to ask questions and be able to learn uh, how how they deal with uh, the failures and the mental toughness. That's great. Yeah, I'm sure that's an amazing resource to have. And um, do the girls mm-hmm. uh, really buy into him? Absolutely, absolutely. They love they love Fernando. They love working with him. Uh, I know they always ask, "Hey, you know." Can I meet with Fernando? I'm like, yeah, you don't even need to ask me. You just, you know, call him, set something up, and, and be able to work with him. And so he's something that uh, that we preach to him, uh, my whole staff, uh, to the team, about being able to reach out to Fernando and use that resource. It's such a huge and, and, and important resource to have. We also have uh, Headspace, which is a, uh, an app them to be able to learn how to meditate you know and it's a part of where they can learn to kind of slow things down uh when things get crazy and so uh we push the headspace app for them to be able to help with that mental part of the game great cool i just learned something new i'll have to check headspace out it's really cool yes so uh um, that have helped make you successful over the course of your career uh, I'm sorry, uh, you cut out. So on the personal side, what are some habits yes. that you have that have helped make you successful over the course of your career? Oh, gosh. I think one is I got really lucky with the, with the coaches that I've had. You know, they really uh, helped me um, hone in on uh, the skills, uh, the softball skills that I needed to be successful uh, and push me. You know, um, Gary Hanning, who I played for with the, the Bat Busters for about five years, he uh, is a saint. He would meet uh, me uh, every Friday night and uh, work with me uh, offensively to be able to get better as a triple threat, as a hitter. And so uh, I am as stubborn as stubborn can get, and I was not um, willing to just be a role player. I was someone that wanted to be in the starting lineup and someone that could be, you know, someone to win the ball game. People looked up to to, to win the ball game. And so um, I was willing to go out and work 
uh, work and, and be that player. It was my work ethic, I think, that uh, that really pushed me uh, forward to, to be that successful player. So you would say the work ethic is um, the most important part of what got you to your phenomenal career stats up at the plate? Absolutely. Absolutely. I remember as a kid, Gary was, was going over the um, – the do or die in the outfield, you know, runner at second base, I got to come up throw and, you know, throw the runner out at home. And he was teaching me the footwork. And I remember as a kid, I got a piece of paper, I crumbled it up, I went out into the front street of my house, and was throwing this little ball of paper running up to it, fielding it like I would on a do or die, come up throwing, it wouldn't go very far. So I got a lot of reps going up and down the street, which Kind of seems silly, but, you know, I was able to get my footwork in and the reps in to be able to learn how to do it. Awesome. What was the best lesson you learned during your playing career? Oh, gosh. Um, I was 13, and I was – my nickname was Bones, and so I was the littlest person on the team. And that was the reason as to why I was not in the starting lineup. And I can remember we were in Mission Viejo. I remember being in the family van and just bawling my eyes out, telling my mom, I want to quit the team. I want to quit the team. I'm not playing. And she said, no, you're not going to quit the team. There's a lesson to learn behind this. And we finished the season out. And the lesson that I learned was I need to outwork people. If I want to be in the starting lineup, then I have to go out and I have to outwork my teammates, and that's what happened. So how do you get your athletes on your roster to outwork the next person above them or beside them? It's it's something that I, you know, I, I share that lesson with them, um, you know, when, when the time comes up and just, you know, remind them of, one, you know, the importance of role players on the team. You know, uh, if your role is a pinch hitter, uh, you have one of the most important uh, roles on the team. Same thing with a pinch runner. You can be the game-winning game winning run, and you are the most important person on that team at that moment. Uh, and two, you know, if, you know, a freshman comes in or a transfer comes in or somebody comes in and is pushing you to get better, ultimately what happens is the entire team gets better. So you've got Sally going against Tracy, and, you know, Tracy was the, the starter last year, but Sally is a tad bit better. If she's pushing Tracy to get better, and she does, then the entire team, and it's a competition between the two. So, you know, they're both pushing each other to get better, and at the, the result of that is the team gets better. The team goes places where, uh, you know, they set their goals to be at. Yeah, I think that's the major challenge as coaches is trying to get your athletes to understand we push each other to make the whole team better, and it's not a me versus you mentality. Right. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you can ask somebody who was the, you know, second baseman of the 1996 Olympic team, and they won't be able to tell you who it is. But at the end of the day, she's got a gold medal. So it's about the entire team gets a ring, uh, and nobody cares you know, who is in the circle. They just care that you got a ring. Amen. So what do you think has changed most about the game since you started playing? Uh, I think the speed of the game has changed. I think the technology, uh, the bats, the balls, I think uh, uh, 
technology uh, as far as video, you know, to be able to get instant feedback right away. You now have devices in that you can put in your bat or on your bat and get information as far as bat speed and uh, all of this amazing, amazing uh, information that you can get. Uh, I wish I had that as an athlete. Uh, I think the uh, television, you know, uh, has really helped the game out as well. I think, you know, where I think the last game of my senior year uh, of the College World Series, the championship game, was on TV, whereas, you know, every pitch of the postseason is on TV, which is incredible and awesome and fantastic. Uh, it just goes to show, you know, what people like uh, Kat Osterman, Janet Bench, Lisa Fernandez, Lori Harrigan has done for our sport. Yes. So, obviously, I mean, a pretty storied playing career with Team USA. Uh, what was your favorite experience with the with the team? Hmm. Gosh, I have, I have a lot of stories. Uh, I think my favorite, because I get that question a lot, it's got to be, it's got to be the 2004 um, Olympics and the, and the three years leading up to that 04 game. We had kind of a transition, a new coach come in and take over the national team at that time. And it just was a different philosophy. It was more speed and power cause havoc, um, you know, advanced runners type of ball, which is really my favorite type of ball versus uh, a coach that was more of like power, 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 swing for the fences. And, you know, being able to play under Mike Candrea uh, really was uh, kind of a dream come true. Uh, I think he is a phenomenal coach. I think he is a phenomenal person. And the things that he did for our team during that quad was just something that I never experienced before, you know, uh, with sports psychologists, nutritionists, foot doctors, eye doctors, uh, anything and everything that you could do, he, he did it to put us up on that podium and to come away with the gold medal and how well we played during the 04 games uh, was just an experience that I have never been a part of. I've never even seen where a team, you know, hit everybody, every single person on the team hit all, hit, was hitting on all cylinders, you know, defensively, offens, uh, offensively, in the circle. It, it was like we can do no wrong. And uh, just to kind of sit back and see that, and especially – being in Greece, which was the birthplace of the Olympics, you know, and uh, being there and the uh, the results that we saw from it was pretty pretty special. So what do you think separated Coach Candrea from other coaches that may have come through the Olympic program? I think with Coach Candrea, it, not only does he see us as athletes, he sees us as, as people, as human beings. And so, and he always talks about balance, you know, uh, between your home life and uh, your athletic life and how that actually plays out uh, as an athlete on the field is, is, you know, something that's pretty special because you're not just seen as, um, as a number, as just an athlete, and that's the only thing that you are. You know, uh, with Candrea, it was, let me do whatever it is that I can do to help you as, a, as an athlete be successful, you know. So 
if you've got issues with um, your eyes, let's let's get you in, in, in front of a, an eye doctor to be able to help with that, you know, vision training, you know, of, okay, how can we help you pick up the ball sooner or uh, spins, you know, what? how can we help you pick up spins or, you know, picking picking a pitcher, you know, this is what we're seeing on her drop ball, this is what we're seeing on her change up, um, you know, anything and everything that you possibly could have done. He even at, at to a point when we were on tour, he set it up to where, like, the bus had broken down. Um, we had to pull over into a parking lot of a mall and we just sat on the bus and waited and waited and waited. And then all of a sudden, the bus starts to work. And so we get to where we're supposed to play the game, and all of a sudden, it's game time. And there was no pregame batting practice. We warmed up, and then we went ahead. And he wanted us prepared uh, if that happened in Greece because we had heard that the traffic there was going to be bad and you, you never know, you know, things might happen. He was always prepared prepared us for something that may happen. And so uh, he had the ball uh, for the pitchers and said, okay, you got five pitches to get ready for the game. And Fernandez went, grabbed the ball and said, it's mine, let's go. She warmed up her, her five games uh, of, you know, of the inning and we went ahead and did it. And so uh, he was always really, uh, really mentally pushing us, physically pushing us to, to be at our best. Wow, yeah. I definitely think as coaches, um, you know, the best way to get your players to trust you and work for you is to treat them like human beings and show you care. Um, without that, Absolutely. there's no trust, and, and, you know, they're not going to perform well on a field or respond well if you ask them to make a change or suggest or give a suggestion. Absolutely. And we always knew that Kendra loved us, you know, and, and if, if you feel that your coach loves you, you'll run through a wall for them. Of course. Uh, so vision training, do you do any of that with your program? And if so, what kind? We did. Uh, we actually had some vision training over uh, at, a, at Good Sam. It's a facility that's kind of across the uh, parking lot from, uh, from our field. And uh, we did for a couple of years uh, where the players would go on their own and um, do some kind of like machines. They would get real close to this machine and then they had to use their peripheral vision to be able to hit the dots that were that were going off and to hit them as quickly as they possibly can. There are some other like video type things that they had to do. Um, there was a rope that had these little beads and so they had to work on uh, a bead that was closer to them and then it worked their way uh, out and then had to work their way. It's kind of hard to explain um, but they they moved their facility. I don't know what happened. Uh, they ended up moving their facility, and so we have not been able to have the vision training that we've had in the past, unfortunately. Gotcha. So I'm going to kind of switch to the recruiting aspect of the game. Uh, you talked about in outfielders, you look for, I mean, good speed, uh, a great jump in the beginning, and angles. Uh, is there anything else you look for when you're watching athletes in outfield in a real game situation that kind of sparks your interest? Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, they got to have a good arm. Uh, leadership, you know, are they out there talking? Are they moving? Um, you know, are they making adjustments to the hitter's swing? Uh, or are they waiting for the coach to, to make them uh, make the adjustment? You know, somebody who hustles, you know. 
even though the ball is a foul ball, are they going to hustle to that ball and see if they can possibly make an amazing catch? You know, um, you know, things like that, the little things, you know, how do they interact with their, uh, their teammates? Are they constantly communicating to their infield? Where are they at? Where, the, where they're playing at? Hey, you know, I'm right behind you or come back hard. I'm playing deep on this kid. You know, little things like that that make it actually make a really big difference. Yeah, those in-game adjustments, I mean, being able to remember the batter from a previous inning or what they did or just taking note of, like you said, their swing up at the plate. I mean, I I would say that shows that they have a high softball IQ, and sometimes that's hard to teach. Absolutely, absolutely. Being able to remember if a kid is a pull hitter, you know, we have, you know, with analytics that we have these days, you know, we have information on people where, you know, majority of the time where they hit the ball. And so are they going to remember that when we give them that information and make that adjustment? You know, it's, it's little things. It's, you know, we're, we're playing at, 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 you know, dusk. You know, it's harder to see. We're playing under lights. you got a kid throwing 70 miles an hour. Uh, you know, are we going to play them a little late until they prove otherwise? You know, things like that, that it really is going to make a difference. So when you are recruiting a player, uh, you know, obviously at the Division One level, you have athletic scholarships that you can offer. Is there anything that a player or a family member of that player will do or say that will make you rethink offering them the scholarship? You know, um, we're always watching. You know, mo- most of the, um, you know, the people that have committed to me, I'm watching uh, their social media. And so if there's something that, you know, I I think is really, really um, bad, uh, then I will probably reconsider, you know, that scholarship. Um, but that, that really basically is, is, is about it, you know. Uh, so those freshmen that are coming in, uh, you know, that's a big adjustment coming from high school to college, especially on massive institutions and campuses like Oregon State. Um, you know, what are some of the mistakes they may make or, you know, dumb things they may do while they're adjusting? <laughs> I think the biggest thing is because, you know, it's the first time they're away from home. Um, it's, it's real easy to kind of get um, get behind on your schoolwork. You don't have, you know, uh, mom and dad on you about, you know, getting your schoolwork done. And so I really think it's, it's kind of time management. You know, here you've got, you know, study hall. You don't have that in high school. Um, you know, you've got to prepare for that. You have weights, you know, three times a week. You have, you know, little things like that that you have to be ready for, you know, your schoolwork. You don't have somebody who is constantly on you about getting your schoolwork in, uh, about going to class, you know. Uh, some kids have their parents driving them to school uh, to make sure they get there. Here, you're on your own. So a coach isn't going to go and pick you up at home and take you to your classes. So that's kind of kind of on you, and I think sometimes uh, uh, athletes or kids can kind of get carried away with that that freedom. So we talked about earlier players. Um, you know, each player on a on a roster has a specific role they play. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you handle players who may be unhappy with their playing time or may not be beating out that other person that they're in competition with? Yeah, the the biggest thing is just to let them know that they that they are uh, just a part, just as much a part of this team as anybody else, and they're just as important. You know, if it's somebody who whose role is to be a base runner, you know, 
to let them realize that, you know, once they get their opportunity to take advantage of that, you know, if it's somebody who goes in because of an injury, it's like, look, next man up, and this is your opportunity, and show me what you got. And uh, to always just, just kind of be ready for it, be prepared for it, because uh, it could happen at any point. And a pinching role, that's got to be one of the, the hardest uh, roles to have because you're, one, coming in under, under a whole lot of pressure to hit somebody in. And um, you really don't – you, you haven't you, – you're coming in cold. You haven't seen this pitcher uh, throw just yet. Um, you kind of have a little bit of advantage because you have, like, you know, 15 at-bats under your belt because you've been watching your teammates, you know, and gathering information that way from your teammates about what the pitcher is throwing. But at the same time, you know, coming up cold off of off the bench uh, against the hitter, it's kind of it's it's really tough. It's a tough position to be in. Do you look for multi-sport athletes generally when you're recruiting, or I mean, do you have a you know a vision of a player when you're going out and watching ball games? Yeah, that that is a great great question. And yes, I love athletes who are uh, multi-athletes. Uh, uh, I, for two reasons. One, I think it's very important. One is it makes them more a uh, well-rounded athlete, and uh, two, it keeps them it keeps the burnout factor from happening. You know, um, it's it's good for them to be able to take time off and away from softball, uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally. It really is. After our season, I'm like, you guys, don't pick up a ball until July. You know, you need to have that time off and to be able to recover. Uh, and I think the same same goes with uh, summer ball kids. You know, they need to have time off. They need to be able to recover. And I am happy when I find out a, a kid that I'm recruiting is a multi-sport athlete. I think it's awesome. It's amazing. And I highly, highly encourage it. Do you think they have an edge over the athletes who maybe only played softball? I do. I do. I, I said, you know, you're working different parts of the body, uh, you know, if you're playing volleyball or basketball, like I have a kid who played water polo in, in high school, and she's probably one of our strongest kids on the team. And I think that, it, again, it just makes them a more well-rounded athlete. So going through um, your first two years of school, um, do you guys look at junior college players ever? And um, do you have any on your roster right now? We have had, yes, we've had some junior college kids uh, transfer to us, um, some really key ones. Um, Michaela, um, I, I always butcher her last name, Maneva. Uh, I could be totally saying that wrong, but she was one of our, our starting second basemen for her, her last two years, her junior and senior year. Uh, we've had uh, one last year that came to us that was a, a key role in, in being one of our pinch runners. Uh, but we do uh, have some uh, junior college kids throughout the years that I have been here. Uh, right now, we do not have any uh, junior college kids. Do you think that junior college transfers uh, have a specific edge over other athletes that maybe, you know, are fresh to your program or even those that have spent a couple of years in your program but may be coming off the bench? I think some of them do, yeah, because uh, I know junior college isn't, you know, quite D1, but they still have that college experience. You know that the the um, maturity uh, of having that college experience really does help, uh, especially with the uh, academics. You know they know 
uh, time management. They learn how to deal with the time management of we've got practice, we have weights. Uh, some of them even have work uh, that they have to do to make money, and, you know, we have practice time. And so, um, you know, I, I think it does have a little bit of an advantage for them. So looking at the game aspect, uh, you mentioned that um, Coach Candrea really focused on power and speed. You know, speed is very disruptive. You get into scoring position, the power brings them around. Mm-hmm. Uh, what current trends in the game right now do you see that um, you think will stay a while, and what do you think might change? Yeah, I think it's I think it's the speed of the game. It, it, it's gonna it's gonna stay around for a very long time. I think a lot of people have seen the benefits of having speed, and um, you know, I just the the short game is huge and it's important. But again, the sacrifice bunting you don't want to give up outs. So if you have a kid on first base who is fast and can steal a base, you're not giving up outs to be able to advance them into scoring position. So they can read change ups, they can read down ball, and they can steal a base without having to give up an out. So I think that's that is something that's special. I think that's something that's that is uh, important to have, and I think people are realizing that and seeing that. Um, I think the technology of the game uh, is something that's very important as well. You know, um, just having all of the information that these guys are getting uh, compared to when I played is just, it's phenomenal. It really has uh, helped out the game of softball. How did your playing career influence how you coach today? Um, I think playing for the coaches that I played for uh, really kind of helped me uh, become the coach, you know, that I am or the philosophy that I, that I have as a coach. I think playing for Kendra versus even Margie at Fresno State, uh, they're two different coaching styles. And so uh, being a part of uh, a, a, or playing for a coach that is about, you know, putting the ball in play and taking as many bases as you can um, without obviously being a dumb base runner. Uh, you don't want to run into in, into any outs. Um, you know, it has really helped me as a coach of being like, that's what I want. I've seen what speed can do on the bases. I've seen the havoc that it can cause and the errors that it, that, uh, that it causes of having speed on the bases. What do you think has been the biggest change throughout the course of your coaching career from maybe your first couple of years to now? I think for me, it, uh, it really has helped me understand the kind of the, the aspect from a different view of the umpires, actually. You know, um, getting to see it from their viewpoint, getting to understand, uh, understand them and what it is that they're looking for uh, has helped me um, as far as, uh, you know, as, as being a coach. Who's the best player that you've ever coached? The best player that I have ever coached? Um, yeah. That's a really good question. Um, here at Oregon State, I would say Shelby Weeks. Um, she was just kind of an all-around, uh, all-around athlete. She could hit for power. She could steal a base at will. Um, 
she got great jumps in the outfield, and I'm not trying to be biased to an outfielder. <laughs> but, uh, you know, she just was a, a, a kid that um, was really successful at all aspects of the game, the bunting, the soft slap, you know, the, the, the short game and the power game. Um, USA softball-wise, I want to say, oh, my gosh, probably Kelsey Stewart uh, out of the University of Florida. She, you know, was a phenomenal base runner. She is a kid that you can put in the infield, a kid you can put in the outfield. She had speed. She could read the defense as a, as a hitter. And somebody, you know, just was really fun to work with who had a really, really high softball IQ. Yeah, she definitely is. A, I've enjoyed watching her as I've grown up, uh, you know, similar ages. And while she was playing at Florida, I loved watching um, that program play and now I'm I'm glad to be able to watch her next year as um, USA right. goes to compete at the Olympics uh, I mean players like her Haley McClenney I mean that that team is just going to be a, a force to be reckoned with <laughs> come this summer yeah it's what about, be so much fun to watch those guys so I'm going to flip it and now say who's the best player you've ever coached against <laughs> Um, good question. Um, I, I would probably have to say Rachel Garcia, uh, just because of the pressure that, that she has to deal with, you know, uh, she is a phenomenal pitcher and a clutch, clutch hitter and she, she can play other positions. She, you know, you can put her at first base and so she's just not just a one position person or one position pitcher, you can put her everywhere. And it doesn't seem like you can rattle her cage, you know, whether, you know, you wouldn't know on the mound if she just gave up a, gave up a home run or if she struck somebody out. And so it's been, um, I love playing against her because she is one of the top, uh, top pitchers. And so you want to beat the top pitchers. Uh, but I also love watching her play just because of her demeanor, her, her passion on the field. So when you're recruiting for Oregon State, uh, what would you say is uh, your niche or your best part of campus that you really sell to your athletes that, you know, all the players on your team just really love this part of campus or this part of their experience? Yeah, well, I, you know, I consider it the, the best college town in the Pac-12. Uh, it's a small, small city. It's about 50,000 people who live here. And um, everybody, everybody loves the Beavers here. And, you know, campus is absolutely beautiful, especially during the fall. Uh, the leaves are starting to change. And, you know, we've got a new hitting facility, uh, which I'm pretty sure is going to be the athlete's new favorite place here on campus to be at. Uh, you know, just, you know, uh, anywhere I, I would say there's a couple of quads that we have on campus that at, at certain times of the year is just absolutely gorgeous you know, with the turning of the leaves, and we have a small uh, river that runs through town that uh, a lot of the students and the student athletes will go floating down uh, when the weather starts to get warm. And so this just, it's just everybody, um, it, you come here, you, you fall in love with the place. So focusing back on the game side, uh, for this upcoming season, you know, after having 2020 shortened and a lot of kids are coming back. They may not have been able to play all summer, especially with a lot of areas being in lockdown. Uh, you know, what's your strategy um, to be able to make a, a deep run in the postseason again this season? 
Yeah, again, for, uh, you know, them to realize and to not take this game for granted, you know, uh, and again, it's, it's you know, a lot of, a lot of uh, universities got uh, players to come back, you know, um, very good players, Jesse Harper at Arizona, Sis Bates at the University of Washington, you know, a lot of incredible athletes are returning back to their programs. Um, so uh, to, to take a deep run is, 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 you know, we've got to be able to play this game. Uh, it's a simple game, play catch, advance runners, hit behind runners, when there's people on base to be able to hit them in uh, and just, you know, just just go out and, 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 and love the game, take advantage of the opportunities that you're given, and, uh, you know, just leave it all on the table. Leave it all on the table because it can be taken away from you. Do you think there's a few players on your roster that are going to be really integral to doing so? I do. I do, absolutely. You know, Mariah Mazon, who is our pitcher, uh, uh, phenomenal pitcher, uh, was having a great year last year through two no-hitters uh, early on in the season, and so and uh, was one of our top hitters. Actually, her first two years, she didn't really hit. We didn't really need her. Uh, but last year, she really um, – you know, bought into hitting, and so she really worked on it and worked on it and was one of our top hitters. Uh, Frankie Hamoudi, who, you know, ended up having her season cut short due to an injury before COVID hit, uh, who is, you know, the kid that helped win the gold medal for the junior team uh, in 2019. Uh, and then, you know, Missy Noon, who um, started out as a walk-on, uh, ended up getting a scholarship, and has you know, been one of those, like, Swiss Army Knights for us. She's caught. She's played first. She's played third. She's played right field. Uh, who's a kid um, who really I think is going to take – this is going to be her last year where she's just going to uh, really shine uh, with this being her last year. That's a pretty amazing testament, you know, to be able to walk on to a, a pretty prolific program and earn that scholarship and playing time. Uh, do you have, I mean, you know, what sets her apart that allowed her to get to that point, you know, maybe from other players that may walk on and not see as great of success? Yeah, I just think um, she, her work ethic, um, you know, she's an, a, a great teammate. She's one of those people that everybody just loves to be around. Always a great attitude, um, coming to practice. Very rarely, you know, have I seen her in a bad mood. And if she is, she doesn't bring it to the field. Uh, but she is just a kid who just absolutely works hard, you know, in the classroom, which is huge. It's important. I don't have to worry about whether she's going to be eligible or not every year. Um, in the weight room, you know, she's one of our strongest kids. You know, and on the field, she's constantly asking questions and just wanting to uh, perfect her craft and, you know, be one of those athletes that people rely on. Wow, yeah. I wish I wish every program had more players like that. You know, if you had a whole yep. a whole a whole team of that, you know, it'd be pretty amazing to see how far a, a program could go. Yeah, if I could clone her, I would. So I have, I think, one more question for you. Um, in the Pac-12, who is your favorite team rivalry during the season? <laughs> I think it depends on who you're going to ask. So if you ask me, which you are, for me, it's UCLA and Utah. And the reason it's UCLA and Utah is because when I played, um, that's who my rival was. You know, we always wanted to play UCLA. We always wanted to beat Utah because they were in our conference. Um, if you ask the players, of course, it's going to be the University of Oregon. Uh, there's a big, big, big rivalry between the two. 
you know, and that was before I even got here. Wow. Well, Coach Berg, uh, I really want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Uh, this has been a pretty amazing treat. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I've enjoyed talking with you.